David Eichel here, HawkeyeInsider.com. As always, with Sean Bach giving you a what we'll call an instant reaction podcast, Sean. I know it's early Friday morning, but uh, I, I think it was important that we talked about this game, Iowa 89-67 win over Maryland. And what was kind of just a weird basketball game, especially through the first seven minutes, but the way Iowa's bench played and the spark they provided – and just what Iowa did on both ends of the floor was probably among some of their most impressive basketball of the year. And anytime you can pick up a road win in the Big Ten, I mean, what a resume booster. Keep in mind, this this Maryland team did defeat Wisconsin uh, on in inside College Park, I believe, a week and a half ago. So for Iowa to go in and, and get the job done, it was it was something to behold. And I think that Fran McCaffrey in Iowa continues to develop. Uh, depth that's going to play a huge factor as you know the season goes down the stretch and as we get into uh, postseason time. So, Sean, let's just dive right into it because I think there's a lot of points we got to talk about. Uh, let's just go with initial takeaways from last night's win. Yeah. So before we get into the takeaways, actually Maryland's win against Wisconsin was in Madison, so that's oh, an even more. Why? Yeah, it was in Madison. So that's an even more impressive win um, if you look at it that way. But, yeah, I mean, I think what everyone's going to talk about is that is that crazy run that Iowa went on during that second sequence in the in the first half, you know, during the last 10 minutes, or as Ken Baum calls it, quarter two, um, Iowa went on a 27-7 to run to close out the half. And, you know, they were down by, I think it was 17-7 at one point, which was their biggest, was their win probability was at 32.6%. That was their you know, where they trailed the, the most. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, they just pieced it together. Offense really started to click, and I thought when Fran went to the bench, I mean, that's the second game in a row that he's had to go to the bench pretty early to take out guys like Joe Eastcamp and C.J. Frederick. Now, I don't think that's too much of a concern heading into future games, but I thought that was just really interesting to see how he took them out. And then you bring in, like, a Keegan Murray, Patrick McCaffrey, um, even a Jack Nungy and those guys were pretty instrumental to Iowa's run in the first half. You know, Keegan obviously gets a lot of love for how he played, but I thought Patrick did really good things with his length. I thought Jack Nungy, you know, I gave him a little bit of a harsh player grade um, in the VIP player grades. He did a good job, but I think overall, you know, the first half really speaks volumes to how this team played and how this game really went because, I mean, things were not looking good to start out in the first quarter for Iowa, especially the first, you know, six, seven minutes of the game. Maryland was hitting shots. Iowa looked really lax today's on the defensive end. You know, there just wasn't much flow of the offense, and really the deep, the zone defense did not look great either, if that, if that was the defense that they were in. So, you know, I think just being able to piece it together and, you know, piece together a big run was crucial for them. And, you know, to keep that, to keep that foot on the gas puzzle, on the gas pedal, I mean, they didn't score outscore them by 20, 25 points the rest of the game like they did in that one 10 minute frame. But, you know, they just kept going. They kept, didn't really falter a lead. I think it got down to 13, maybe once or maybe something like that, like 12, 13, something mm-hmm. around there. And that was the lowest it got. And just Iowa not being like being able to put their foot on the gas pedal and, you know, step on step on their throats a little bit, um, not necessarily letting the game go down to single digits and keep them hanging around. I mean, didn't blow them up by 30, but just, you know, kept resilient on the offensive end. Jordan Bohannon knocking down threes was huge. And 
I thought the defensive effort in the second half was really, really good too. Yeah, no, like you mentioned, I think just everybody on the bench provided a nice spark. Joe Toussaint ended the game with six steals. Jack Nungy, I thought, hit a big three-pointer. Didn't hesitate on it either. Pulled up with some confidence, so we'll see if that gets him going from three-point range. Keegan Murray, I really don't know what more you need to say about him other than this, Sean. Iowa is a better team when he's on the floor. Starting or not, Keegan Murray is one of, what would you say, top five most important players if not higher on that list with what he's been able to do it's been just spectacular to watch what he can do and he he just seems to get better game after game and I think Sean we need to touch on this Connor McCaffrey is spectacular last night he showed exactly how important he is to this Iowa team 10 assists zero turnovers didn't hesitate from three either knocked down a pair of them went two of four grabbed five rebounds I think it, he just it just epitomizes what he brings to the table. Like you said, Jordan Bohannon goes six of nine from three point range, knocks in eighteen points, fifteen of which came in the second half. I mean, Iowa's just so much better when he's on too, because it just spreads out the defense even more. I mean, Sean, Iowa puts up eighty nine points, and CJ Frederick and Joe Wieskamp combined for eight of them. That shows the amount of just quality depth that they're getting. And I like what you said about Patrick McCaffrey, because I thought Patrick McCaffrey played one of his best games last night, four, six from the field, knocked down a pair of threes, and they weren't exactly wide open three, Sean. I think he had a hand in his face, at least on one of them, but he pulled up with confidence, swished it, also grabbed three rebounds, played some pretty decent defense. And yeah, Maryland forced some shots in the first half. I mean, it wasn't all Iowa's great defense. I thought they rushed some shots. Maryland did, but I don't think you can take any credit away from Iowa because they're still forcing up the shots. Just That's just the way the cards unfolded. So what Iowa did on both ends of the floor, I thought was some of their best basketball of this season. And I mean, we haven't even brought up Luca Garza. Yeah. Luca had four turnovers, but again, it's a natural every single game. It's just a routine 24 points on 14 shots hit, hits a pair of threes went four or four from the free throw line grabbed seven rebounds, dished out four assists. So it was kind of a weird game too, Sean, because Iowa only shot six free throws in the game. They still put up 89 points. Maryland only shot six free throws. So really, I don't want to say it wasn't ticky-tacky at all. They're letting them play for the most part other than, you know, Luca's not allowed to go up uh, for a normal shot when a guy's, you know, knees between his legs, and that's an offensive foul. But that's a story for another day. But as you mentioned, I think if Iowa can continue getting – sparks from its bench and keeps developing this depth this seems just gonna be so much better as it, the big games in this season come along and I know every game's a big game in the Big Ten Sean but you look at the upcoming schedule and where teams sit right now Iowa plays Illinois once they play on January 29th they only get Michigan one time that's the second to last game of the season I believe they go at Michigan too and then they play Wisconsin twice in a three-week stretch so while Iowa's bench is gaining momentum, I think that they need they will need to get Joe Wieskamp back to what Joe Wieskamp does. They're going to need C.J. Frederick uh, to really show up and show out. And I'm not really worried about either one of them. I think we've seen what C.J. Frederick does in, in bigger and big-time games. But, um, yeah, no, I, I, was, I was very impressed with Iowa last night, and it seems like when there's a new test uh, that they, they continue to pass, overcoming an early double-digit lead and, and just routing Maryland to a 22-point win. Yeah, I think the next <clears throat> this stretch to close out January, excluding the Illinois game on January 29th, is going to be really big for Iowa. I mean, those are winnable games. Their most difficult game um, is probably going to be on the road 
where their lowest their lowest win is per, winning percentage is on the road at Northwestern and then at home against Indiana, two very winnable games. And then the next two games are at home against Earth this weekend and then next Thursday, next two games, Minnesota, Michigan State, both at home. Then you go on the road Northwestern. Then you play two home games against Indiana and Nebraska, two pretty winnable games in my opinion, um, especially if they play offensively the way that they did. So I think this stretch is big. If Iowa can go five and zero in this stretch, then they're then they're really looking in a good spot. I mean, that's nine and one in Big Ten play. That's very tough to do. And then you go into a pretty tough stretch where you play, you play four top thirty Big Ten, or you play top four top thirty Kempon teams in a row. You go on the road at Illinois. You play at home against Ohio State. You go on the road at Indiana. Then you play Rutgers at home. And then you have two road games at Michigan State and Wisconsin. And Michigan State obviously has not been the team that, you know, many expected them to be, but they beat Rutgers pretty handily the other day. So mm-hmm. that's, you know, I think they're going to be a team that's going to figure I mean, it's a typical Tom Izzo team where they're going to figure it out come February, March. And, you know, when Iowa plays Michigan State the second time, that's going to be in mid-February. So, you know, I think if they can get these next five games, that's especially huge because he, that that doesn't that doesn't lock in a ten and ten Big Ten record. I mean, I think this team, I think it's obvious that this team is much better than ten wins in the Big Ten. But I think it's just a good feeling for a lot of people, you know, to get those games under your belt and sure. to win to get those winnable games. And that's why this upcoming stretch for Iowa is going to be so crucial in that regard because the Big Ten, as we said before, I think teams are just going to continue to beat up on each other, like regardless. I mean, we've seen it this year more than in past years that road games, road teams have done a really good job in Big Ten play. I haven't, I haven't put together an official like count yet of what road teams' records are in Big Ten, but I think it's a lot better already than it was in years past. And, you know, that, that works well for a team like Iowa going on the road, but it also, you know, works well for – teams coming into Carver Hawkeye Arena because Iowa does not have that home court advantage that it usually has. I mean, I know they've done really well at home. I, I don't know exactly what their what their home winning streak is. Um, maybe it was just non-conference games that they have a really big home winning streak. But it's I think, like I think it's 72 out of the last 76 or something like that. For um, non-conference, for non-conference. Games. Yeah, non-conference home games, like 72 out of the last 76. Yeah, that sounds about right. Because last – I mean, they lost – last year they lost to Purdue at home, and then they lost to – Non-conference. So, yeah, they I'm lost talking, all last year. Yeah, but I'm talking about conference games. Their only, their only home game last year in conference play was against Purdue. Yeah, yep. Mm-hmm. So, they've lost, you know, that one road game – or that one home game in conference play last year. And, you know, I think they do have somewhat of a home court advantage because, you know, it's they practice there. That's where they are. They don't have to travel, um, don't have to go through all that that jazz that road teams have to go through. But, you know, teams seem to be coming in with more confidence in some of these games. I mean, look at Iowa yesterday. I know Maryland's not necessarily a great team, but Iowa started off slow and then, you know, shot like they were in Carver Hawkeye Arena. They just did not <laughs> – it just didn't seem to be a difference. Um, and that's what that's what the case is going to be, I think, going into, you know, the latter half of the season is once these teams start to see each other twice or once they get more recognition of these teams on film, they're going to be able to go into these places and shoot better um, 
than you know they would if there were an opposing crowd. And you brought the point last last podcast about you know how the freshmen have benefited from this because they're not dealing with that with the road with the road or the pressure of playing on the road in the Big Ten this year. I mean, yes, they're still playing on the road, but when it's just parents in there, like that's not very intimidating. Um, yeah. rather yeah. than you know 10, 10,000, 15,000 people. Yeah, no, and again, that's not taking anything away from the freshmen that have produced because you're still on national television. You still have to be able to go out there and you have to be able to compete with them on a skill level. But I think the pressure is somewhat alleviated when you don't have, like you said, 20 to 30,000 eyes watching you live. But, Sean, let's dive into a couple storylines before we wrap this up. I I think number one right now is maybe the hottest topic among Iowa basketball. That's not Luca Garza because Luca Garza is Luca Garza. But uh, Keegan Murray, I know a lot of people have been clamoring for more playing time. And I think you're in the same boat as me about this, but I want to clarify that with you. My opinion about Keegan is he's perfectly suited for the role he has now. Could he be a starter? Yes, I think he can because he brings too much to the table offensively, defensively. Iowa is a better team with him on the floor. But I think a lot of people underestimate the importance of having – big time bench guys come in, provide a spark and just, you know, bring good energy and be able to do good things. That's what Keegan Murray brings right now. And it's not about when you play or if you start the game, it's about at what point are you on the floor during games? And I think we've seen over the last few games, Keegan is in there in some of the most important stretches of the game and Iowa does better. And on top of that, if you start Keegan, who are you going to take out? You're not taking out Joe Wieskamp. I know a lot of people are, I don't want to say often right now, but just over the last couple of games, Joe has not been able to get together. So they're saying, oh, Keegan should be playing over him. It's not that simple. Joe Wieskamp is still one of the top two, top three players on Iowa basketball. You're not going to take out CJ Frederick. He's one of the biggest gamers on the team. And you're not going to take out Connor McCaffrey. Why? Go look at the difference between Rutgers and Maryland. And I'm not talking about just the score, the level of competition. Watch how things flow on both ends of the floor. Iowa is better with Connor McCaffrey on the floor. And they're much more stabilized when he's on the floor. I know Keegan Murray ended yesterday, last night's game with a plus 30, which is incredible. And that was a team high, obviously. But Keegan's role right now, he's absolutely thriving in it. But at this point, I don't see a reason to change it. Maybe you find him a couple minutes, more minutes here and there, just based on the productivity. But there's no point in benching one of the starters to put him in right now. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. And I thought a comparison that I saw on Twitter yesterday was the Nick Bear thing. I mean, because Nick Bear was setting the world on fire coming off the bench. And then, correct me if I'm wrong, McCaffrey started to start him or put him in the starting lineup. And then he didn't, he wasn't as productive as, you know, he was coming off the bench. And then Fran put him back on the bench, coming off the bench. And he, once again, set the world on fire. So I thought that was a pretty good comparison, I think, too, with Keegan. Um, I was, I I was, I thought this was interesting. I don't have the official stats in front of me just because the stats broadcast was locked, 
but I think Keegan played at least from my from my from my standpoint. Keegan played a lot more minutes in the first half than he did in the second. Am I am I wrong on that? Let me. Ch- yeah, he played twelve minutes in the first, and he had nine minutes in the second. Okay, maybe not that he played like significantly more minutes, but I think he entered in the first half a lot earlier than he did in the second half. Because I well, don't. He entered on the twelve-minute mark in the first half. I know that. Because I don't remember him coming off the bench in the second half. Maybe, maybe I'm just looking into. Let me let me much. check it right now. I got I got right in front of me. So Keegan went in at the eleven forty-seven mark in the first half. In the second half, he entered at the eight fifty-nine mark. Okay, so maybe it was just me thinking like he came in a lot earlier in the first half than he did in the second half. Like, or maybe because he played. I don't know. Maybe because I thought maybe he'd go in, in earlier in the second half because of the way he played. Yeah, that, yeah, I, I was thinking this. Yeah, totally. I get that. Yeah, so you know, I think that, I think that kind of speaks to a little bit too. Is in Kenyon Keegan's dad tweet, Keegan Chris's dad tweeted yesterday that, or whatever day it was, that Keegan's perfectly fine in his role. Like, he is a no nonsense kid, very low tolerance, very you know, just kind of that quiet swagger that you talked about which makes him such an effective player is he's able to gel in that role. And I think he kind of feels like, um, you know, he's always had the spotlight on him when he's playing. When he was at Cedar Rapids Prairie, he was the league. He, him and Chris were the league guy. When he was at DME Academy, he was the league guy. And now he's coming in kind of playing with the chip on his shoulder and kind of playing more free-spirited. And you can kind of see that too. Is mm-hmm. He just works so well in the flow of the offense. And, you know, you have guys like Joey's camp and CJ Frederick and Luke and Garza that can create their own shot. But I think what separates Keegan and those guys from everyone else and, you know, some of these other, you know, higher ranked guys coming out of high school is that they just work well with so many different lineups. I know you could say that maybe for some some other lineups, maybe not so much, but I think these those four guys just work well with whoever is on the floor. And that's what Fran touched on, too, yesterday is that. They just have so many guys that are just so unselfish with each other. And just the chemistry on this team is is on another level. I mean, you have stars on the team or all conference level players, but you have guys that their skill sets just work so well together. And that's what Fran McCaffrey has done a really good job recruiting. I mean, people give him crap for not recruiting. I, I feel like we touch on this almost every podcast, but Fran hasn't gotten the really high-ranked guys that, you know, the initial targets like Trace Jackson Davis or the DJ Cartons in the 2019 class. Mm-hmm. But most notably, 2020, where he missed out on a number of the guys that he was targeting first off. And he just gets guys that just flow well in the offense together, just play well with other guys, high-floor guys that, you know, are willing to give themselves up. Not saying that the other guys that he missed out on were aren't the same players, but I think these guys in the 2020 class, especially and same thing with 2021 with Peyton Sanford, is that these guys will just work so well together and just flow well with each other. And I think Keegan too, being able to play the three and four positions alongside Patrick McCaffrey and whoever else is on the floor just makes him so much more valuable. And you know, I think I think his length too is really impressive. I mean, he seems like he seems to always have a nose for the ball. Like he always I know that's kind of a football term, but he always seems to be around the ball. Like, no matter what, the ball goes up in the air, he's going to get a hand on it. He's going to rebound it. There's a ball on the loose floor. He's going to go and dive on it. 
you know, it's just the hustle yeah. plays and just the intangibles that he brings that you notice. And, you know, the cut that he had yesterday when Jack Nungy dumped it off to him, I thought that awareness to see that he had an open lane to cut to the rim and, you know, to throw it up, throw it down like that. I thought that was really impressive. And he did again on another drop, like just the athleticism, just all the little things that he brings to the table. Um, make me think that his ceiling, his ceiling is going to continue to get higher and higher as he goes on with his career. You know, and I think you need to give Fran credit here too, Sean, is I think Fran's a really, really good talent evaluator. And I think yes. most Iowa people know that. But the fact that, you know, Keegan and, and Chris – and by the way, Chris Murray had a really nice move and bucket in the last two minutes against Maryland last night. That spin move and that, that was a tough finish – but he they did not look sloppy. I mean, that looks very smooth. So I, I was impressed with that. But as we've kind of touched on our forms and on this, that they're still really high on Chris Murray. But it's just who are you going to play him over right now? Because Iowa has more experienced guys in front of him. But I'll tell you what, too, Sean. Keegan's got more bounce to him than I thought. I don't know if you knew how much bounce he had. I'm not saying you did or didn't. But on that dunk and on a couple of these rebounds, I mean, I did not expect him to get up as high as he did. He is more athletic than I thought. Yeah, honestly, like, I know it's his vertical, but I think his length really gives him that extra, extra, you know, with how he can get up. And that dunk that he had, too, in transition, that was that was very impressive. Very impressive. Yeah, I did not see that coming. Not that, again, not like he couldn't dunk or anything like that. I just didn't expect him to do that. Um, but, yeah, so I think, you know, again, I think Keegan's fine with where he's at. Like you mentioned, his father, Kenyon, said the same thing. And, he, you know, I will say this, though, too, for as even-keeled as Keegan can be, you saw him get a little bit emotional last night. I mean, he was getting the and ones or dunking and coming out screaming and yelling. And I think that's really good for him, and I think that's good for the Iowa team as well. But – I mean, Sean, I think this is, again, I know it's Maryland. Maryland's a 500 team right now. I still think they have some talent on that team. But it's never easy to win on the road in, you know, in the Big Ten, whether it be this year or any other year. But I think it's a really, really good sign for Iowa that they can go in and put up a, a performance like this. And on top of that, it's another quad one win, which is going to help boost Iowa's resume and they they skyrocketed up the Ken Palm defensive efficiency last night. I believe they were 94th going into that game last night or 95th, Sean. On Ken Palm? Yeah, 94th in defensive efficiency. Um something like that. It's like mid 90. It was they were 97. No, they were 97. Okay. So they uh they, they went up to 77. So a couple more good defensive performances. We'll see where they uh, they can end off. But I think if you're looking at what Iowa needs to do going forward, again, I know Maryland forced some shots, but Iowa's zone was broken the first six minutes. I thought they did a lot better. And, again, when you got Patrick out there, and when Patrick's in a flow defensively, when Keegan's in a flow defensively, when Jack Nungy's engaged, Iowa just has so much length on the floor and there's so much tenacity on the defensive end. Because, again, I know this is the most – overused thing when we talk about Iowa, but Iowa's defense is what's going to win them games in the tournament and get, you know, have a ceiling for this team. Last night, I thought it was a very impressive win. And when Jordan Bohannon is hitting the shots like he is, Iowa's a completely different team. He's hit 15 of his last 23 three-pointers over the last three games. And I'm not even saying he has to hit that many threes, but Iowa is so, so, so much better when he is, uh, when he's hitting shots. But Iowa right now, 
looking like they have a legitimate nine-man rotation. I think that's perfect for this team. And again, I like how Fran knows guys below them deserve minutes, but he's not forcing to give them minutes. He is letting his guys play, his top nine play, get in the flow. And I thought it showed me a lot last night, Sean, that he did not put back in Joe and CJ. He put in Joe for the final minute, I think, of the first half. But he right. sat his starters out, not because they're in foul trouble, but because they weren't producing at, at either end. And I'm not saying that they just – there wasn't an extra pep in their step. There wasn't that energy he was looking for. But Iowa's bench went on a run, but he did not re-bench the guys that he put in. He let his starters sit on the bench. He let the bench guys continue to do work. And I really don't think he does that every single year. And that, that showed me a lot that he did that last night. Yeah. And I think, too, that speaks volumes to the type of bench or the type of depth that this Iowa team has. And McCaffrey said before that he's looked on the bench and he's like, all right, I got a lot of guys that can play. And when you're keeping guys off the floor that could definitely play, but you just want to keep that tighter rotation, like that speaks volumes to the type of team that you have. And like I said before, like the lineups just seem to all work together. I know there's a couple here and there that have not been great. But I think when you have guys that play positionless basketball of sorts, I mean, you're going to have guys like Jack Nunji and Luca Garza who play the four and five. But I think outside of that, um, you have guys all over the floor that can bring up the ball, can start the fast break, can guard multiple spots. Like just having that sort of free, free spacing, free will sort of basketball um, helps out your team big time, like in any game. And especially in the Big Ten, where it's more of a physical conference, like I think a lot of teams just aren't used to that in a way. And that's what makes this Iowa team so great is that you can spread the floor. You have guys that can guard multiple spots. You have guys that can shoot it from deep. You have a big man in Luka Garza that can just pound guys inside. Um, And Jack Nungy as well. Like I know he's not at the point where people expected him to be it, but I think he does a lot of good things that, you know, make him a great backup to Luca Garza in a sense. Like he, his time's going to come eventually, but I think what he's doing now or what he's shown in some games is really valuable to this team's success. And I just think the versatility is is immensely is just what makes this team so good. Like I've talked about it so many times, but I think the versatility and just the overall depth is what's going to make this team really dangerous going forward. And um, make them a tough matchup for teams that aren't necessarily in the big-time conference. Like, I don't want to look too much forward to the NCAA tournament, but I think, you you know, Iowa's, like, athleticism and overall versatility and just the depth, too, are going to give a lot of teams issues going forwards. And even if Iowa's shot's not falling, then I think just some of the things they do offensively, like just the spacing and the dribble drive, I thought they've done a much better job of penetrating. Like, we haven't really talked about Joe Toussaint too much in his impact. Yeah. Um, just the way he's able to attack when he's under control, how that's able to draw defenses, how he's able to get to the rim. I think that's so significant to what this Iowa team wants to do as well. Iowa's team is built more for the NCAA tournament than the Big Ten tournament. I've said this multiple times, Sean. Iowa, if they're playing defense in the NCAA tournament, there is no ceiling for that team because their offense, I don't think there's a team that will stop Iowa on a short scout. I don't think any, anyone in the country. I think teams could give, some teams could give them more trouble, but Iowa's offense is so efficient at this point. The only thing that will stop Iowa is not hitting shots. I think they've proven that this year. The defense will need to be there. 
But what Iowa brings to the table for opposing teams offensively when all the weapons, if you give them a team 36 hours to scout them and try to stop them, they're not going to be able to do that. And that's why I'm very interested to see Iowa in the NCAA tournament. Of course, things are going to be a lot easier if they can get a high seed in it. And I believe right now they're a two seed, according to Joel Lenardi. But again, you're in the Big Ten Conference. If Iowa goes on and wins 16, 15, 16 games in Big Ten play, they're going to get a one seed, in my opinion. So I think 16 is the magic number for the one seed. What would you say, Sean? 16 to get a one seed? 16 Big Ten wins? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's fair. It's like I think 15 you're on the cusp, but that also depends on what other elite teams do around the country. I think if you get 16 Big Ten wins, I don't see how you don't get a one seed just based on the amount of quality wins you will have. So that's kind of what I'm looking for. But again, Iowa's built for the NCAA tournament. Iowa showed me a lot last night. I mean, I thought they showed me a lot when they found a way to beat Rutgers at Rutgers. And again, I know it's Maryland, but to overcome a double-digit deficit and have the bench play like that, put up 89 points with C.J. Frederick and Joe Wieskamp struggling. Luca Garza, I think, is a runaway favorite for National Player of the Year with what he's done. His efficiency has been unmatched. Uh, but that's kind of my final takeaway. And if Jordan Bohannon keeps hitting shots, I mean, Iowa is going to be incredibly tough to beat. Well, I mean, no matter how bad their defense is, if, if Bohan's hitting threes, that's going to open up things for Frederick and Garza inside. Yes, Iowa will need to get stops, but if Bohan's hitting and Keegan Murray keeps doing what he's doing off the bench, I mean, Iowa's going to be a tough in, tough, tough game night in, night out, no matter if they're the 97th ranked defense or the 70th or the 50th or whatever. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think, too, if this defense continues to make those leaps, then – you know, you're looking at a really good team. I mean, you can be great. It's hard to be great at two things. You know, offense, Iowa's great. Defense doesn't have to be great, but it has to be good. It has to be considered – it has to be average or at least a little bit above average for this team to, you know, reach its ceiling. I think they're more than capable of that, and I think they're continuing to show that too, and they showed that against Maryland last night. Um, you know, like I said, don't have to be great at two things but you can be great at one and pretty good, good, decent, solid at the other. And I think your team's going to have a lot of success. And, you know, if this defense continues to prove, then that's that's a really good recipe for success going forward. Yeah, Iowa with a huge game on Sunday when they host Minnesota. And we won't preview that too much because we'll have plenty of content at HawkeyeInsider.com. But I asked Jordan Mohan last night and he said, yeah, you know, we're not trying to look you know, too far ahead. We were focused on Maryland, but he said, yeah, that's definitely a game we have circled on our calendar. I mean, you can imagine Iowa guys are just chomping at the bit to get back at the Gophers. And I'm very interested to see how Minnesota responds after getting shellacked by Michigan. Uh, and Michigan's looking to be pretty legit too. And I'm very much looking forward to the Hunter Dickinson and Luca Garza matchup uh, in March. That should be a lot of fun, but be sure to follow Sean on Twitter at sbock 247 Be sure to follow me at David Eichel at Hawkeyes on 247. Be sure to check out hawkeyeinsider.com. Get a VIP subscription today at 30% off for an annual or $1 for your first month. Give us a shot. Satisfaction guaranteed. But uh, Sean, we'll be back in few days and we'll, uh, we'll be able to discuss Iowa, Minnesota, how that turns out. And uh, yeah. Any, any final parting comments from you, Sean, or are we all set here? No, I think I'm all good. All right. 
Again, HawkeyeInsider.com for the latest and greatest Hawkeyes news scoop and analysis. Until then, we'll talk to you next time. Thanks. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.